0: Yo, I'm back, Dark side back again with another special podcast, another kind of in the music category, we'll say, but it's also in the motorcycle category. Uh, the guy I am talking to tonight, if you're in my age bracket and grew up liking the kind of music I like, I feel like you're going to remember this guy. You're going to know who he is. But before I say introduce him, who it is, I want to thank our sponsors, A Cherubies USA. They're our title sponsor, A Cherbies USA dot com for plastic and all the different parts, uh, chain guides and sliders, hand guards, et cetera. You know what a Cheruby's has, gear. Check them out. Let them know you're listening. Uh, Cheruby's USA, our title sponsor, and, of course, Racetech is on board, world's largest aftermarket suspension modification company. Go to Racetech.com. Use that promo code MOTOXPOD to save. Fly Racing, as always, go to your local dealer, ask for Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Works Connection. Come on, man. Who doesn't need a... uh, Pro Launch device. Those things are the best. And, of course, the Elite Clutch Perch. Awesome, awesome stuff. Our jerky still on board. Use that promo code MOTOXPOD21 to get you some of the best jerky on the planet. Get that stuff ordered before the next race comes up. And It might be a little late to do that for this week. Before the next race. After this, right? Get some of that stuff ordered soon. Blood lubricants. If you want oil, it's going to protect your bike from all the damn conditions. It's going to last incredibly long. Like, longer... Stuff will last longer than any other oil. It, it performs at the highest level. Blood lubricants. Promo code Moto X to save. And uh Grill Your Ass Off is just jumped on board. Check out grillyourassoff.com. You can use promo code Moto XPod to save there. Those guys just jumped on board. They're helping out with a lot of stuff. So uh, yeah, so tonight I am going to talk to Ricky Rackman. He, You guys probably know him if you listened, right, if you're into this kind of music. You, you knew him as the host of Headbangers Ball. He's owner of the Cat House Club in L.A. It was one of the elite, sleazy, dirty rock and roll clubs of the 80s and early 90s. He owned it, co-owner with the lead singer of Faster Pussycat, Tame Me Down. But Ricky was also... Uh, He was a DJ in the early '80s. He was friends with some of the guys in Guns N' Roses, like before they broke. I mean, he's just—he was on the scene of LA and hard rock and metal in that time, and been around a long time. He did shows for VH1, including uh, the Brett Michaels Rock of Love. He was on Loveline with Doctor Drew. Just done a lot of stuff, man. You guys have probably seen him if you're around music at all. He he does. Multiple rides for Victory Junction to raise money. He's done the ride for dime to save for you know dime bag back when dime was so alive. Um, yeah, he's a cool dude. Really looking forward to talking to him. I've never talked to him before. Uh, he has tons of stories of hard rock and metal. You know, being around those guys, being on tour with those guys, a lot of these bands. So I, I want to get into his love of motorcycles and. The, the, the rock and roll stories. A lot of these stories, I know he's told a lot of times, so we'll see what he wants to get into. Um, but I think it's going to be fun, man, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Stay tuned for Ricky Rackman. Hello. Ricky Rackman, that voice. <laughs>
1: Where? Your voice. Man, Oh, hold on. Let me put it on for a second. I forgot. Let me put on my radio voice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's it, man. I know that voice. Uh, yeah, dude. So, yeah. Uh, nice to meet you, man. Even you know, even though it's just audio, it's it's really cool to finally get a chance to talk to you. Well, nice to talk to you as well. I, don't, I know a lot of these stories, like some of the stuff I'm going to ask you, you've talked about a lot, so I'm going to try not to... Go down so many of the stories. Yeah,
1: well, I just decided for this year, yeah? I'm just going to make up different answers for Ooh, everything. Dude, I dig that. So, like, any from, for instance, you know, whatever somebody says, the answers will be different. So I that's, love I that. I think that's what I'm going to do this Shit. year, so it'll be totally different.
0: Perfect. All right, well, let's get into this. So, let's okay. just start out, I want to start out with you as a kid, man. Growing up, like, what was your family, like, was there, was there music in your household early on and motorcycles? Because I want to touch on both those topics. Um, there was
1: music. My father, who I didn't live with, actually managed bands. And so I was going to concerts at a very young age. Uh, and there was always music in the house when I was with my dad. But my dad was, you know, I don't know how to say it. He, I don't know. If nec- he was more like me, probably. So he probably wasn't <laughs> the greatest dad. Okay. Um, you know, so it was, you know, he, he managed a lot of bands and, but I live with my mom. My mom was good. And, you know, that's who I lived with. And, uh, you know, my whole life, I always wanted a motorcycle. And it was to the point of, you know, it was always like, I don't believe in motorcycles. I don't believe in motorcycles. I'm like, come on, mom. All I want. All I wanted was a motorcycle because there were no motorcycles, even though my dad, believe it or not when he was, which I only realized, you know, later is my dad wrote for cycle world. My dad had a Honda CB 750 Wow. My dad would write, would write, which it's, it's weird because I, I don't like to think that I copied my dad or, or followed in my dad's footsteps. But later I found an article that my dad wrote, which talked about long distance and, and riding on the road motorcycles, you know, and, and that's what I do. I ride very far on motorcycles and, um, So so that was that was unique. But I remember, you know, Tommy Stanton in Van Nuys, California had a Gemini. And I was like, oh, it was this, like, little mini bike, you know, no gears. Right. And I got to ride that around. I thought that was the coolest thing. And then we went to go see our cousins in Visalia, California. And he had, you know, the silver Honda XR75, which is the coolest <laughs> yes. thing in the world, you know? Yeah. And uh, and I rode that. we would ride it around this, like, little farm. And I'd go on these little jumps. And somewhere there's a picture of it. And uh, I just thought it was just – I mean, nothing was – Felt like freedom, like riding on that little Honda XR75 did. And it was like, I knew that I loved motorcycles, but I knew I was never going to get one. And when I turned 16, I bought a moped. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the closest thing that I could have because there was no, you know, you know, in growing up in, in Southern California, you know, you'd hear about families going to Indian dunes and going to Saddleback and going to all these places to go dirt bike riding with their family. And I had, I did not have that family dynamic. That was, you know, I didn't play any family sports. I didn't play catch with my dad. I didn't do any of that. Stuff. Yeah. So the whole idea of, you know, parents going with their kids to race dirt bikes, you know, it, it sounded like such a dream world, something I always wanted but never ever had. Wow. And then when I got, then I got a moped, and then as soon as I was, as soon as the, um, then like in, as the then back in like, oh, I don't know how old I was, probably eighteen or nineteen. There was a kid that had like I think he was like a drug dealer, and he had <laughs> a, a a GPZ five fifty. And I used to, and he didn't do it, use it because he was probably like a drug dealer. So he never rode his bike. So he'd let me borrow the GPZ 550. And I would tear that around Southern California, no helmet, no nothing. And that was like, wow, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know, and I remember having a, a picture of the, um, God, what was it called? I think it was called the Yamaha Sega 550 or something like that okay you just an old Yamaha I remember having yeah. the picture of that on my wall next to a picture of Brooke Shields and um <laughs> I was only 30 then no I'm <laughs> kidding and uh, uh and then Brooke. I uh then as soon as I got started working and made a little bit of money and the rock and roll scene started and I started my club the cat house and all of a sudden like we're all making money And I was always intrigued by bikers, by the, you know, three patch clubs, whether it was the Hell's Angels or uh, what did we have? We had like Pagans, all the Hessians, all those, you know, as a kid, I always would look at them like, you know, they're outlaws. I mean, they were outlaws. But I would look at them as like, wow, that's like the coolest thing in the world. And I remember I went to summer school in Pacoima and there was this like all black motorcycle club and there were all these black guys with three patch. And I thought, man, that's the coolest thing in the world and uh so i did what most kids did with no money i got a honda rebel so I got, a honda rebel was if you don't know what the honda rebel was it was just for a kid uh, i shouldn't say a kid for a 19 year old guy with no money it was the closest thing i could ever get to a harley yeah yeah so and it was a 250 so i got a honda rebel and my friend <laughs> keith got a honda rebel and then gilby clark who ended up becoming. The guitarist in Guns and Roses, Gilby, got a Honda Rebel, and we all had Honda Rebels in Hollywood. We'd go to the rock clubs with our Honda Rebels, <laughs> which you had all of the CCs together, and it maybe was like a Harley. <laughs> right, it was barely. just a little bike, you know. Yeah, and loud. I made a little bit more money, and for a short time, I got a, a Suzuki Savage because that looked like a Harley too. Because I didn't have any money, Hell you know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And then the then the cat house started taking off, and all of a sudden, like. Well, wow, I'm making money in the rock and roll world. This is really good. So I bought my first Harley Davidson, which was a 1967 Pan Shovel Harley Davidson, which was just bad to the bone. And I had that bike forever. And then I've just gone through Harleys and Triumphs and Ducatis and Indians and and the CB750s like I have now and, uh, and everything else. And that's pretty much where the attraction to motorcycles came. And just to, you know, say – but I, but I mean, even as a kid, I'd go to the Super Bowl of motocross. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. even as a kid, I knew that Brad Lackey was cool, and you know, and Rex Staten, and all these <laughs> these these people that I would see race go to the Super Bowl of motocross and Coliseum because I would go, I would go to the races and knew who these people were. You know, I had that. Oh God, I know this is way before your time, but there was this classic poster. That of this guy doing this cross up, and he had a CZ jersey on, and I think it was oh, called yeah. like it was called like CZ Rider.
0: Yeah, I remember and that. that poster, I'm not that much that younger po- than you,
1: dude. Yeah, you are. Uh, I'm 46. A, I'm getting there. Okay. Well, there was. I don't know if you remember the poster CZ Rider. But yeah. it was bitching, and that CZ Rider poster was above my bed. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. So I would go to motorcycle races yeah. and I remember we would, we would go in the, in the cafeteria with our bicycles and we'd play, we didn't say flat track, but we'd play speedway and we'd like slam our brakes on the, on the, the little trays and try to slide it around like they <laughs> did in speedway. Cause you know, I didn't, I didn't know who, you know, I remember I knew who Dave Aldana was, yep. but I didn't, wasn't really that much into flat track at that time, but I was just kind of enamored buy it and that was just the regular how i got into motorcycling the motorcycling that i do now is is more of like a religion thing because i ride fairly far and i'll go and just disappear i mean i i hate to say i don't hate to say this i'm very proud to say this but when neil pert from rush passed away i have ridden i ride further on a motorcycle than anybody in rock and roll which i don't know if that's a title or not but it's the truth. There's nobody in rock and roll that rides motorcycles further than I do, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, that's yeah. not going to get me a cup of coffee, but it's something. And I know less about motorcycles than anybody.
0: <laughs> but the stories you have to have, though, from those long rides, like I've been following you, you know, a lot, especially like since uh, Daytona Bike Week with this. Um, with the Victory Junction rides you've been doing, and you've been on the road, and you've been camping, you've ha- you've been at a hotel that flooded, like all the sites. You know that see- was the last thing. I mean,
1: the ride that we're going to do this year. Yeah. Um. Me and my wife decided that we're. I mean, it sounds weird to say, but me and my wife decided that we're going to keep it down to ten thousand miles this summer. <laughs> which, to some, think like ten thousand miles is kind of far. The reason yeah, yeah. we're making it down to ten thousand is because we want to take a little bit of time and do some really fun stuff like we just decided today um we're going to go to Maine to have lobster oh, you know heck yeah. which which is a thousand miles from where we live so you know we're going to try to experience stuff so whenever we go on these rides we've done some really cool things and met some really cool people and the thing is like you know I pay for the hotels and the gas and everything for myself and then when people donate it goes straight to the charity And, you know, we don't have a publicist. Nobody really knows what we're doing. And already we've raised $14,000. So it's like, you know, we're like, we're, I mean, Ricky's ride. And now it's called the ride has raised almost a quarter of a million dollars. And none of that went to expenses, but because we don't have a publicist, nobody talks about us on the news or nobody does. So we just get on a bike and ride and, you know, we go to a hotel like we did a couple weeks ago. And. You know, we get cheap hotels and, sure. you know, we walk in and the bathroom flooded. You know, bad stuff happens to us <laughs> whether we like it or not. Yeah. And as, as, as we say all the time, you know, yeah, remember that time when everything went perfect all that Yeah, kind of. Yeah, remember that time when we got stuck in hail or when the bathroom flooded? Or, it's the bad stories of, that you always remember that you have yeah, to laugh about.
0: Of course. Yeah, that's, that's man, the memories you're going to have. I mean, j- your life, dude, just from what I know about it, You've lived a thousand, a million lifetimes of what people like me go. God, how cool would it be to go to the whiskey and bump into Nikki Six or you know, as a kid or whatever. You know, I was I was growing up at the time you were doing Headbangers Ball and that that time frame. I was in Barstow. My dad was in the military, so we've lived all over. I'm in Texas now, but my friends would like go down to the strip that were older than me and like they bumped into the guys in Slaughter before Slaughter got big. Or there were some bands like Jailhouse that never really broke that they would come back with these mixtapes, you know, and I'd be like, God, how cool would that be? And you lived that life and now you're traveling on a motorcycle cross country, which is also badass. Like you are definitely living life to the fullest.
1: Yeah, I got to learn to appreciate it because that's my biggest problem. Is you know, if if I look wrote on paper all the things that I've done in my career, and all the things that I get to do, yet I'm always you know that's just a whole a whole story about learning to appreciate it. But I am very lucky, you know. People, you know, I, it's so funny the people on Facebook are such jokes. It's like you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, what are you doing in flat track now? You know, what are you do you do-, 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 do? I'm like, let me tell you something. First of all, you people that are complaining aren't doing anything to. Pick up the sport. I want flat track to be a bigger sport. I think flat track is one of the most exciting forms of motorsports, and I've been working in NASCAR for three decades. I love flat track racing, so if I can get new fans to watch flat track racing, that's great. And if they think that the reason that I'm working in flat track is because of the money, they're (laughs) really mistaken because, I mean, I have – Lots of jobs. I own a, a successful apparel company. You know, I've got a syndicated radio show. I'm doing all these different things, and I'm working in flat track because I really love this sport. I love the competition. I think the riders are really, really cool. And when I'm, you know, doing pit reporting or whatever I'm doing, when I'm not doing that, I'm just pacing the the, the straightaway with everybody else watching the racing because I think it's so exciting. It's like the reason I'm working in flat track is because I want to be working in flat track. If I wanted to get more exposure, I'd focus more on doing more rock and roll stuff and more NASCAR stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm in flat track because I just think it's bitching, you know, yeah, it's,
0: it's very cool, but I, I don't follow it as obviously as much as I do motocross and supercross. But but it's, it's a killer sport, man. And I've been, you know, with Kristen, you know, working over there, I've been kind of keeping up with her and watching some of the races and when they come on and, yeah, it's it, you're right though. The social media, just even in this sport in Supercross, Motocross, all the announcers like, oh, there's always somebody that, oh, I hate Ricky Carmichael, sucks on as an announcer, or so and so sucks. I mean, that's just the way our our world is these it's days. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like I don't, I don't get it. But, no, I don't. Either. You
1: know, because it's not elevating the sport. It's like, you know. I am not gonna lie when I, I, I happen to be and that's not because I work with him now or because he was a friend. I've always been a big fan of Ralph Shaheen. Yeah, Ralph's and when awesome. Ralph Shaheen when Ralph Shaheen wasn't on Supercross, I was like, but I'm 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 used to hearing Ralph on Supercross. I liked even though Ricky does a great job. I liked hearing Ralph and Jeff. And whenever I saw Jeff on there, because I knew Jeff. I remember when when it was tough for jeff to get a lot of sentences
0: out you know yeah he and had he, uh, dyslexia and, and, and stuttered, had, stuttered? no yeah. no no he stuttered yeah. so i didn't know he had dyslexia uh, i may be wrong but about that just, i may be wrong about that yeah it's I, but he's I, such a good dude you know
1: and i was like god i really like you know hearing ralph and, and but but i don't go to the internet to say oh you know why isn't ralph on supercross anymore and bring back this This is like you know what it's like you know People can do the greatest things in the world, and nobody gives a crap. Yep. And then somebody does one thing they don't like, and that's what they want to talk about. And what people don't understand is when you're throwing out negativity, some of that stuff sticks on you. So it if you're does. out there giving positive stuff all the time and saying, you know what, it, you know, the the beauty of me working with someone like Kristen is that that Kristen, it's not there's no jealousy there. She's not worried about me taking her job. Her her all she does is give me the knowledge and help me so i can do a better job and that's the same thing with scotty dubler and it's the same thing with ralph everybody wants everybody to succeed and it's 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 a very unique dynamic that we have with all of us because everybody is very very helpful you know when when brad baker was there and i would say hey brad i don't understand this he knew that i didn't so he would explain it to me you know it was it was just really really nice and, and i you know I am only working a few races with flat track this year and I can't wait to get out there and and see my friends again. You know, these are all people that I like and, and to see riders that, you know, that that are going to be huge stars that I know these guys are going to be huge stars soon. But, but I hope to get the people that aren't into flat track to start watching flat track. So people on Facebook to criticize (laughs) is like, guys, what are you doing to, you know, don't, Okay. Oh, this live stream sucks it's okay it's because you don't have internet okay right right yeah you know i mean yeah there's a lot of changes that i that i would make to the sport as well but i, I i'm not that guy so instead i like to think about what i do like about the sport and support the people that put money into it. i mean this is the first year that i'm actually um getting into a little bit of sponsoring for oh for cool oh yeah on the other side yeah so
0: yeah so i'll give you a couple stories real quick that kind of relate um so I, I've been doing Supercross media for about five years, and I started doing the press conferences right. And I made the mistake of going and looking at the, the YouTube comments. And the, the keyboard warriors are like, oh, all these guys ask the dumbest questions. They ask terrible questions. So then I made the mistake of saying, okay, please tell me what questions you would ask that none of the motocross media ever think to ask. And, of course, you get nothing back. So, of course. Right? So that's just one story. But it, it's the same thing. We get the same thing. Our races are now live, commercial-free, if you want to pay for it on a Peacock. But we still get, all oh, the broadcast sucks when 10 years ago – you had to wait a week, maybe, for the race to come on. And- that's the way
1: it always was. <laughs> I mean, I remember when NASCAR, you, it was yes. you wouldn't get to watch it live. Yeah. So it's you know it's and, and you know what? And another thing is, hey, people, guess what? I remember when we used to go to the Super Bowl motocross. No, not even just this was not that long ago. When we used to go to both Anaheims, we would always go to Anaheim. Yeah. And it was packed, and so that's like people. Put down your keyboards and go to a freaking live race. <laughs> right. You want to support this race? I want to see these stands filled again. You yeah. would go to Supercross and and a lot of the people there that were at the Supercross events don't know every rider that's out there. They want to go there see entertainment. Yep. And and Supercross was really good at delivering that. You know, and that's oh, yeah. that's what you need. I mean, the majority of the people aren't stat people, aren't tech people. You know, look, I've worked in, in, in motorsports for so long. And I don't know how to work on bikes or cars. I I wish I did,
0: but I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, not everybody does, but you like them. You like the motorcycle racing for the entertainment of it. Like you said, and that's really what it should be. And and instead of, yeah, wasting your time, you know, bashing something, just enjoy it and be positive and build it.
1: It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And that's just, that's, it's just the way it is. You know, it's like, you know, for people to put down, you know, some some fat slob sitting on his TV, putting down (laughs) these 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 kids at Supercross, it's like, dude, try one lap and then talk, okay? I mean, this is this is, you know, it is the most physically demanding sport. It is a gnarly sport where these people go out there and they're they're risking everything for not I mean, the top tier get get the rewards. A lot of people don't, you know, especially in in a series like Flat Track. I mean, but Supercross, most of the people aren't racing you know, in Anaheim and they're racing a lot of short tracks and they're racing a lot of local tracks yep. and, and it costs a lot of money. It's like elevate the sport because there's, you know, I mean, people, how huge is MotoGP overseas? Oh, it's massive. You know? Yeah. Why isn't that big over here? Why aren't we doing the same
0: thing? You know, hell, why isn't Supercross in the Olympics? You know? I don't disagree. Yeah, it's it's a very, it's just a niche. Motorcycle racing is a niche sport for sure. And the people that are passionate about it definitely, you're right, they need to build it up. Um, right. It's unfortunate. It's it's very unfortunate. No matter what you look at on social media, somebody's going to hate on it. And that's just unfortunate where we're at. I know that I know that
1: more than, more than anybody. And it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like, dude, you know, why'd you cut your hair? I'm like, okay, (laughs) I cut my hair in 1992 and it's long again and you're bald. Right. It's like, yeah, dude, shut up. It's like, Oh, you know, you just came in, you're not even into the scene. It's like, Oh God, I, I opened the cat house. Okay. Yeah. I opened the greatest rock and roll club in the world. You know, I say that the greatest rock and roll club in the world. I opened that club me, you know, so don't tell me how, you know, Oh, you came in Whatever. It, you yeah, whatever. It's,
0: it's embarrassing. and it, It's hard. Not like you said, I think you kind of mentioned earlier. It's like, it's hard when you see that stuff, You want to be like, oh, that person doesn't matter, but it does. If you're a human being, that shit does bother you a little bit. It does a lot, And you you have to, you know, yeah, you have to do the old
1: block, delete, block, delete, block, delete, (laughs) block, delete. Because the thing is, if you're out there in a field and you're throwing a baseball, and that baseball never comes back, eventually you're going to get bored throwing a baseball. But if you throw a baseball and somebody throws it back at you, oh, well, then I've got something to do. If somebody says something mean, and then you comment at that person, it's like. Holy crap. I just got Ricky Carmichael to answer me back. Yeah, yeah, I would never get that. So if I go up there and say, you know, that Ken Rockson doesn't have the skills anymore. And then he answers me back. Holy crap. And the, <laughs> the chances are he's probably going to answer more than you saying, Hey, you do such a great job. I love your perseverance.
0: Right? Exactly. You know?
1: Yep. So, yeah, so it's it's just it's 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 stupid. It is. It, it's it's the nature of
0: the beast. Yeah. All right, Ricky, we're at twenty minutes. I'd like to talk some music stuff if you're down. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I told you I'm forty six. Um, no music. I, my my childhood was a little different. Like there was almost no music in my my family, really, my household. But I did grow up with motorcycles. That's I started riding a you know, Dumont uh, and as a kid. But I discovered music really probably at twelve or thirteen had no idea what anything was, but MTV was huge, right? So I'm we're living in Hawaii at the time, stationed at Pearl Harbor, and I'm sitting here watching MTV. Um, my friends are telling me about this band, this rap group, Run DMC, and the song Walk This Way. No idea who right. Aerosmith is. Never heard of it, right? Wow. So that's how little I knew about music, and I fall in love with the song. I'm like, this is so cool. Uh, and I remember like, maybe three months later, I'm sitting there waiting, just watching MTV, wondering when that song is going to come on again. And Poison's Nothing But a Good Time came on and literally changed my life. Like, people can make fun of those type of bands now, but that was the song and the band that led me to the love of the kind of music I'm into now. I had the back patch, you know, a Poison back patch, but that led me into music. And then, of course, eventually Headbangers Ball comes around and, like, I live for Friday or Saturday night whenever Headbangers Ball was on at the time to discover new music. And, you know, of course you, you're part of it for many years. And I really just want to talk about like what being a part of that show meant to you. It was,
1: it was weird because
0: at that time, you know,
1: everybody knew me in Hollywood because Mm -hmm. I owned the cat house, Yeah, but it was weird because, you know, you look at some of these people that are on TV now that talk about music, like Eddie trunk, you know, Eddie trunk knows a lot about music. I am a fan. I can't tell you who was the engineer for guns N' roses, but I did wake up in the gutter one Monday <laughs> Flash and say, how the hell did we get here? You know, while they might know a lot, I did it. You know, they know and talk about what they know about. I talk about what I did. So I did not, did not understand the whole concept of all of a sudden me getting famous for this. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, I'm walking through the airport and people are saying my name and they don't know who I am. So it was really weird. And you know, all of a sudden I became like, I guess the face of metal. And the thing is that the biggest misconception was that I programmed all the videos where I never picked one video. So while people were waiting to hear Slayer and we played uh poison everybody's like you suck ricky why don't you play slayer (laughs) and if there's somebody and if there's somebody waiting for skid row and all of a sudden i'm playing you know napalm death everybody's like you suck ricky why don't you play skid row so you know the the heavy music has so many different genres and you know whichever one you it's the same thing we didn't have the internet then but whichever you felt your genre wasn't being addressed it was all blamed on me. When the truth is, <laughs> Headbangers Ball did play Cannibal Corpse, did play the Cro-Mags, but also did play Slaughter and Poison. Yeah, and we had the Ramones, and we also had you know R- Rancid and Pennywise. Oh, and yeah. we had every single you know heavy metal band you know from just. Everything and it was, you know, it was weird for me because I didn't have any broadcasting background at all. I was just put on TV, and that's why when I look at some of the earlier shows, it's like I cringe because I was like, what the hell am I doing here? You know,
0: it kind of looked like there, well, it looked raw, like there, you know, there wasn't, it didn't really look very professional at times, but for me as a, a teenager. I loved it. Cause I was like, these are my bands and these guys are funny or there'd be a lot of ball busting as I recall and just goofy shit. You know, you guys, Oh, my-
1: especially with bands like Alice in Chains and yeah. Pantera Anthrax, I feel and like. all that stuff, you know, people thinking that Dave Mustaine from Megadeth hated me <laughs> when the whole truth is he wanted me to succeed. And I know that because we did an interview like a couple months ago Yeah, and he really liked it because he could give me a hard time. And the thing that, um, you know, Dave said to me like a couple of years ago, he's like, we were the Abbott and Costello of rock and roll. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I go. People don't come up to me and say, that was a great interview you did with Lars. They say, dude, Dave Mustaine hated you. Hey, I don't care. Say whatever you want. The truth is you remembered those interviews. Yeah. And I don't want to do things that, that just get like, who's your producer? What was your inspiration? How are things? You know, I wanted to do things that were more lifestyle. And it, it took me a couple of years to get comfortable enough to do that. And now, I, you know, it's the same thing that I'm trying to do with motorcycle racing. You know, when I had J.D. Beach on, um, J.D. Beach, who, you know, was a road racer, is great at flat track. And I set, I do a segment called Between Two Turns, and we put out two chairs. And the first question I said to J.D. Beach was, you have to explain this to me. I don't understand how stuttering works because J.D. Beach stuttered. Not as bad as he did. He's getting better all the time. Mm-hmm and And the whole interview was just me talking about that because i didn 't understand how it worked, and the next thing you know you 've got all these people writing saying, "This is the best interview ever, this is the best because I never wrote down anything to prepare you I know, love that yeah when i do well when I do odessa i seventy on april twenty third kristen 's got to do supercross, which means i 'm the only pit reporter which is going to be tough because Kristen is so prepared. She knows so much what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I have to learn to do that because I'm the only pit reporter that race. Oh, you're going to kill it. You're going to so kill it. I've got to, but I've got to do my research because people want, you know, all the stuff. So it's funny. And a lot of the writers don't know what I'm doing there. And I, I've gotten some hard times and some eye rolls from certain writers, but you know, some of the smart ones they're like, look, my job is here is to get new people to watch this sport because I love this sport.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. I dig, though, what you're talking about, like the lifestyle stuff. And, and because, yeah, there's always so many times you can ask about how did you change your, your tire, your tire pressure, your setup. Like, I want to know who these people are as real people because right. the fans, like we talked about a little bit ago, the hate, and you forget sometimes when somebody says they have a bad race you don't know what happened that morning with them and their wife or them or that, you know, exactly. like, when I go to work and I've had an argument with my chick, I can't focus. How do these guys at an elite level have an argument or maybe their parents are sick and then they have to go be the best in the world. Like, how do you do that? Well, they're human. They can't always do that. And the thing is, if you're off
1: your game, just a little bit, you know, it's not only is it going to hurt your performance you can get really hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know, so your mind has to be in, it. and especially a, a, a sport like Supercross, which is, you know, all about reaction all the time. You have to be on. You can't take a moment to look behind you or to look. You, you know, it, it's all about reaction instantly, and you always have to be on. I mean, I, I love Supercross. I, I, yeah. This season, I don't know how many races I'm going to get to, but I always love going, you know, the last – I. I I used to go to, you know, in Anaheim, I'd go to Anaheim. I'd go to, I think I went to San Diego. We used to go to the Coliseum. I went to Atlanta once. And um, I love going to Supercross. And I, you know, I also, you know, was friends with a lot of the FMX guys. I actually, what a lot of people don't know, is the very, is not only was I the first person to ever talk about freestyle motocross on a radio show, but I hosted the very first freestyle motocross awards.
0: Oh, wow. No, I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of fun. Heck yeah! All right, a couple more things. I know you know you probably want to get off here. Um, couple. All, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. good. So I got a couple of headbangers ball type stories that I wanted. To, I think okay. you might laugh at. So I grew up again in the era of like PMRC being a big deal, right? And my mom, right. very strict mom, didn't like the music I listened to. Didn't never really said it's devil's music, but she didn't like it. And I remember this is I think before you were hosting the ball, but. I remember whoever was the host was like going in to see, we're going to see the cult tonight. And my mom coming from the other room, be going, I told you, I told you it's a cult. I was like, mom, it's the name of a band. like that and, was, and not only the name of a band, a very, not very threatening <laughs> thing. Right. Great band. That, you know? that was what I grew up with. So I, I, I argue with my mom even now. I'm like, how did you grow up in your day and time? And not know who Led Zeppelin is and Black Sabbath and the Eagles and like you, she's clueless. And I just don't understand. But anyway, that's a funny story. That at least it's funny to me. Um, right. The other story when we left Barstow, my parents res- moved to East Texas, which had to have been tough for you and heartbreaking, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, it was
1: terrible. I'm. I mean, we, other than that, McDonald's it looks like a train. What else do you have?
0: Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. Okay, everybody to, knows
1: where barstow is barstow is the place you stop for gas on the way to vegas well you know and what that's was good it.
0: what was good for me was the fact we lived actually at fort Irwin, which is a little bit north of the of barstow and my house it was like built like a circle and the housing the, there was two houses past us and then desert and i was allowed right. to take my dirt bike and just go ride like right. the base literally let my dad build a track yeah. so for me it was fantastic i just rode dirt bikes um, right. but moving to east texas when they retired in 91 destroyed me like my it was so bad here's what happens i moved to east texas the bible belt i've got somewhat which long part now which part would be east texas so i am 2 hours east of dallas in a town called longview okay. texas about okay. about 45 minutes west of Shreveport, louisiana okay so we we move here and i have somewhat long hair it's the summer of 91 go to the local store um, with a, a friend that my parents... A teenager my age that were friends with my family, and the high school principal is there, and they introduced me, and he's like, oh, sir, are you going to play football? And I said, like, yeah, I think I'm going to. He said, well, you know you're going to have to cut your hair. And I laughed. I thought he was joking. Right. Nope. going to have shoulder-length hair, dress code, which really messed me up. Like, that messed me right. up. But, all right, okay, I'm trying to figure this out. Same week, I'm recording Headbangers Ball... I'm watching it back. MTV News comes on. The story is something along the lines of in 250 countries around the world, MTV is shown. But in the heart of East Texas, a town called Longview, starting Monday, Headbanger, or MTV will be banned. No way. Dude, I missed the Beavis and Butthead era. I missed it. I went oh to my mind. Oh, my mom. God. I was crying. Like, you have to send me back to California to live with your brother. I still have it on VHS. I literally still have it. I remember, I think it was the night that You Could Be Mine was debuted. I know that right. video's on there, like Taqueto Forever Young's on there. I, I remember all the shit. Um, like the first video after Headbangers Ball was a Abdul, Rush, Rush, or Hush, Hush, or something. I right. remember all the shit. It was so impactful. Wow. But yeah, I lost MTV for years and it just, me- and I'm still here. I don't, you know, I got fan- my kids here now, you know, but. It was tough, man. It it was really weird. That's crazy. Yeah. So I missed most of your years, right? I mean, you started in '90, I think. I started in I started in '90 and
1: went on until '95. Yeah. So I missed as, as all that ball, I did tons of stuff for vh One in the later
0: years. Yeah. Rock and Roll.
1: Yeah. I started headbangers ball in '90, and I and I hosted that show until '95.
0: Yeah. So I missed most of your years, but the early, the first couple years, I got to watch religiously. And then you yeah, right. that was that was those are my headbanger's ball stories that, that were just like heartbreak, heartbreak, man. Like Wow, that's crazy. It was. And crazy. I mean, just literally just this year, they changed the rules at the same school where kids can grow their hair. Like my son got in trouble for having <laughs> fairly long hair. And I, same principal, was still there. And I had to go in there and say, look, you know how I feel about this. I'm not telling him to cut his hair. I'm not gonna do it. Right. He doesn't have to cut his hair. Right. He's a, a student. He doesn't, I don't care what your rules are. And, you know, eventually it, he, cu- he actually cut it on his own. He said, dad, it's just not worth it. But anyway, it's so weird that still, I mean, you know, we, I live in an era, which, which,
1: you know, tattoos used to be the worst things in the world. Yeah, You know, sure. I was working jobs where they made me, you know, wear long sleeves and I had to do this and <laughs> same, that. Same. And now tattoos are so, you know, I'm, I'm still not completely comfortable watching TV commercials. And the person's covered in tattoos. I'm like, oh, really? no, I liked it. I liked it when it was bad. You know, uh, oh, yeah, it yeah. It okay.
0: Was, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I've gotten used to it. I kind of think it's cool. My son, I took him for his first tattoo. You know, he's 24 now. Hell, my grandfather now. But so, but yeah, I, I know where you're coming from with that. Um, all right, I'm going to get you a few, a few more questions. I know okay. you just saw Kicks in the last week and Slipknot. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned like it's really great to get back to some concerts. Just talk about finally getting back to some live music.
1: It's great because,
0: you know, the whole
1: thing of bands doing, you know, live cam or whatever, it's just not the same. You know, I talked to certain bands that that had tried it and it just doesn't work. And part of the things about going to see a show is you're with your tribe, you know, and and whether, you know, when I go see Slipknot, I, I can't say really it's my tribe. Because even though I love the music, I'm way older than everybody there. (laughs) Sure. So, but still, you know, you're around heavy metal people and you're around hard rock people. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, when I go see you know, I'm going to see Exodus Testament death angel coming up nice. and I know I'm going to be with a bunch of metal people, metal people. And, and, and that's part of the thing is, is getting out there and being with people. And there's nothing like the feel of seeing a band live. So it, and, and I'm not going to say that like when you're in a club and everybody's real tight next to each other, you stop for a second and you go like, like the thing that's weird is how quickly we sort of, ad- adapted to keeping distance and putting masks and it's just as odd how quickly we adapted to not wearing masks you know like like before it was like okay we'll wear a mask this is the way it is and now it's like okay now we don't wear masks yeah yeah. it is it's 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 a it's a little bit it's still a little weird and we're still in a little bit of a transition but it is nice going to arenas or small clubs and seeing live music because there's there was nothing like live music, and I missed it a lot. Yep. And you know, I think this year I'm, I'm, I know that I'm really going to try to put on, put several live shows in our ride.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, in the last three weeks, I've seen Clutch, Candlebox, Corrosion, Ministry, God, and the Melvins.
1: Is, how great is Corrosion? So good. They opened so good. that night,
0: which I think the Melvins and them are. are I think they're flip flopping night tonight. So they opened. It was like it was at the old Gas Monkey place in Dallas. It was sunny out, and they just killed it.
1: Yeah, I really yeah. like that band a lot. That's a band. Like, there's certain bands that I'll go back and listen to an old album, and it doesn't sound dated. It just like, yes sounds good. Blind is just such a great record.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Are you familiar with a guy named Monty Pittman? guitar player? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, so that guy, I may, I may have
1: played with him. As a matter of fact. I'm pretty positive I played with him on stage before.
0: Okay. Yeah. So he is one of my best friends. He's from my hometown. And yeah. He moved to LA in two thousand and he became Madonna's guitar player, still is twenty two years later, but he's been like he's on Metal Blades. He's been uh, you know, toured with Danzig and filled in with ministry and prong. He was in prong for years. So yeah. He he's playing with ministry right now. That's one of the main reasons we went to see that show, which if I'm So being, you saw Ministry? Yes. Too loud? Yes. Way too loud. <laughs> not, my of, not my kind. Not my type of music. I don't anyway. care what,
1: I don't care. I love Ministry, but okay. I don't care what anybody. I mean, I've been to Motorhead shows, a million of them. Yep. Ministry is honestly too loud. I They're agree. Too, too loud. I agree. I mean, I went to see Ministry one time, and I was like, "Dude, this, this is
0: kind of, this is kind of too loud." It just becomes noise.
1: Yeah it, yeah. it it was, it was really so loud, but Monty, I, I have played, I think I've played with him on stage. Cool. Hell yeah. Uh, probably at like the, one of the jam nights in yes. Los Angeles.
0: Yep. He used a couple years ago. He was doing that every week. Yep. Yeah. So I definitely, I played with him. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He's good. Good people. One of my best friends. Very good. Very nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So a couple more things, just a few co- random questions. I'd like to know, you don't have to give me detail, like your most memorable concert and maybe if you have one a non rock concert that surprised you.
1: Well, I mean, I all I know is I went to the last Rolling Stone show. Okay. And it was just like it was it was weird because we got to go because we had like, you know, crappy seats, and somebody pulled us up there right by the stage. And for me to be so close to the Rolling Stones it was like, like that's the real Keith Richards. That's the real Nick Jagger. (laughs) Yeah. And they sounded so good. Um, Iron Maiden does not disappoint.
0: I'm going to see them in September in Tampa.
1: First time. So good. And I also remember seeing this band that I really like called the super suckers and Willie Nelson got up and jammed with them. That one stood out. I saw David Lee Roth a million years ago in a small club. That was really good. Um, there's, I, it, it's hard for me to remember yeah. You know all the bands because I've seen so many shows. I mean, nothing was as good. I mean, Guns N' Roses, when they played the Cat House, um, when they were doing the It's So Easy video, that was great. I mean, Guns N' Roses, nothing was... Nobody was as raw and pure as just great as Guns N' Roses. Um, but I have, a, I have a real hard time remembering things. <laughs> so sure. I can't remember some of the great... I just know that, you know, that's why sometimes I, when, when I talk about the great shows that I've been to, I just remember some of the more recent ones because I have a hard time remembering all the shows.
0: You've been to so many, probably, and just life. No, just because I can't remember. Oh, anything. Okay. Getting all, okay.
1: I can't I, remember anything anymore.
0: <laughs> so my bucket list bands that I haven't seen are Iron Maiden, which is going to be fulfilled soon. I fulfilled. So great. I fulfilled Tool in January, and great. and then GNR is on there. So hopefully someday that I'll make that happen. Um yeah, that's that's what I mean. You know, I obviously missed the heyday with Izzy. Izzy was so freaking good on rhythm. I mean, the other guys are good, but Izzy just had this feel that was so good.
1: Izzy was the Keith Richards of the band. Yes. Yes. You know? And you know, I mean Slash is just Slash is, you know, one of my all time favorite guitarists, period. Yeah. And um, and I mean, me and my wife had had dinner with him probably about a a week and a half ago or two weeks and um he's just a great great person that's what i hear you know i mean i really really like him and um and he's great but you know there was something about the dynamic with izzy and slash and duff and steven and even though you know i've had good friends like gilby replace izzy but still when you would see them in this small club or wherever it was like it was like they grabbed you by the Back of your neck, and like just it was like dangerous, and that's they were rock and roll, like
0: the definition to me of rock and roll.
1: Yeah, and that's one of of the things that the one of the things that bums me out is that that you know these bands are not dangerous, and there's nothing (laughs) worse to me than these bands that are trying to act like they're you know, like some of these people. I just look at these people, I'm like. Oh my God, you are pathetic. Yeah, you know, you're pathetic. It's like, stop trying to be this like hard. I'm <laughs> a punk. I'm a rebel. I'm right. anti. It's like, shut up. Yeah. I, I feel
0: you. Yeah. You know? I agree.
1: And it just it's sick.
0: <laughs> it's fucking it's making me laugh. I love it. Uh, you know, like I'll my probably favorite GNR song, uh, maybe second. I'll go second favorite because Rocket Queen's my favorite. Very underrated song. I'm about to talk about questionable lyrics. But the guitar playing just smokes me every time is one in a million. Right. Dude, I just, I love the acoustic part. I, I assume, I think Slash is doing the acoustic part, and Izzy's playing the rhythm. And just that song, man, I love. And the, even the way, the melody, that uh, the way Axel sings the lyrics, like that thing just, I love that. That's, that's probably my, like, behind Rocket Queen, that's my second favorite song by far. Yeah, the, the beauty about Guns
1: N' Roses is, that there are so many songs. I mean, and and sometimes, you know, I like if I hear Welcome to the Jungle or Paradise City or Sweet Child of Mine on the radio, I'll change the station immediately. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm so burnt out. But sometimes if like I hear my Michelle and I remember, oh my God, this song is so or It's so easy or out to get me, or some of those songs, I'm like, those are just like they're punk rock. They yep. are just so, so hardcore and so aggressive and nothing contrived about it at all. And I just you know, I love it. I just you know, and I, I Guns N' Roses is a band, you know, I'll I'll put on certain records and uh and skip through the hits. Yeah, and me listen too. to so much Good, good stuff because I just don't but that's the way it is with 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 most bands. You know, yeah, I just, the like, radio I, like I Motorhead Motorhead is my favorite band. I have two motorhead tattoos, but I don't really want to hear Ace of Spades. You I know? feel that
0: too. I agree. Yeah. That's unfortunate with the way radio over the years, you know, just overplay stuff. Like I talk about I don't really listen to regular radio anymore. It's usually serious or podcast. Mm-hmm. And like my butt this guy I work with always has our local classic rock station on and like goddamn. I have heard that ZZ Top song or that ACDC song a thousand million times, and they probably have 20 albums, approximately eight songs on every album, hundreds of songs you could hear that you most people have never heard that smoke those songs at this point, and it's just unfortunate that a lot of people will never get that chance because all they do is listen to the radio.
1: <laughs> and that's all because people want familiarity, yeah, that's I true. Assume. You know, if you had, you know a program director told me this once a, a long time ago, and it's just so true. And it's the majority of the people aren't cool. Like <laughs> if I played you a whole bunch of really cool unsigned bands, you'd be like, yeah, maybe, maybe some people would be into it. But as soon as that band gets big, then it was like, Oh, I liked them since the get go. Exactly. It's like the most people want to hear songs that they know. That's just, that's true. That's just, that's just the way, that's just the way it is.
0: Unfortunately, I, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Two more. Um, anything that stood out, underrated bands of the 80s. I have two in particular. I just want to see if you th- know of any that like stand out. They're like, man, this band should have been What are been the two bigger. bands?
1: And the word underrated is stupid.
0: Okay. Because uh, well, I,
1: hate, I hate people saying the word underrated because usually they say an underrated band and it's still a band that sold like half a million records. I'm like, no, that's not underrated. Okay. Underrated well, was bands that never, like what are the bands that you're talking about?
0: All right. Bands that at least I didn't hear much on the radio or get, Badlands was one and Driving okay. and Crying. Okay. Like not they weren't like they weren't bands that I heard about all the time. Like I saw them on probably either Dial in TV or Headbanger's Ball, but were never right. like they were never like Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, you no. know they, they never got to that level that and I felt like maybe they were better than some of those other bands. And maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you never know. Um, for me it was a band called the Choir Boys.
1: Okay. Which which were which were were big in England. And elsewhere, but the and then they were the London choir boys here for a while. Oh yeah, And yeah, they yeah. never really made it that big out here. And they had this real like the singer Spike has this great like Rod Stewart type voice and 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 they never made it made it, you know, really big as big as they should have. And there's still some yeah, there's still some bands that there were a lot of bands back then that just for some reason they didn't make it but you know I'll still listen to them yeah you know that's the beauty but yeah there are there are a few bands choir boys would for me be the one that would be underrated like why didn't that band ever make it
0: big right yeah you it's know? it's really weird you know i mean i think a lot of times it's management it's record labels and pushing 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 right i mean if you could get your band on MTV and get them on dial MTV that that was at that time frame anyway. That was how bands blew up was getting their face on MTV.
1: Right, and it's also you know the right time. You know, mm-hmm. when Guns N' Roses came out, there was nobody that sounded like Guns N' Roses. There was nobody, right? But then a lot of people started. Saying, then all of a sudden, bands came out and they were all trying to be like Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Copy
0: them, yeah. So
1: if, exactly, if, if you were another if you were another one of those bands. You know, either you you made it for 10 minutes or you got lost in the shuffle. And sometimes there might have been a band like the bands that you mentioned that that, that did well, but, you know, everybody wanted the new flavor. So they were looking for whatever was coming out of at this or so they didn't get pushed because there were so many bands coming out with, with material at the time. That's I mean, true. it was yep. just like there were so many bands. You're you right. Know? Yeah,
0: there were. Yeah, it was. I, I just recently read um, Nothing But A Good Time, that book about that, you know, that Sunset Strip Time. And a lot uh-huh. of those, they were talking Good about book. a lot of that. Yeah. What I didn't like about that book, again, is like they were really harsh with your buddies, Faster Pussycat and Great White, which is one of my all-time favorite bands.
1: Great White is is one of the bands like Kicks that was in the game longer than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, Great White is like, why didn't Great White make it as big as Motley Crue or Crue or, or whatever, you know? Um, I didn't. know. I didn't really. I mean, I'll be honest. I just kind of skimmed through to see where it said my name or Cat House. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so I don't know why anybody would say anything about Faster Pussycat because I think, other than Tammy being my best friend, I think Tammy's just a really great lyricist, and I really like that band. I think you know. I think I the with Faster pussy, I think the problem with Faster Pussycat is they got booked on the wrong shows. They're out going out on tour with Mr. Big, and they mm. should have taken an opening slot for Venge Sevenfold you know, and, and done stuff with some other types of newer bands instead of keep on, on these, you know, stupid monsters of rock cruises or something like right. that, they should have been on something which maybe put them in front of a younger audience. Because right now, if you go on one of those monsters of rock cruises, everybody's old. And I know <laughs> that because I'm old too. Yeah, I'm yeah. old too, you know, but you know, I think eventually that fan base is going to die out and, and they're, there are bands that can play with newer bands you know so you know i like to go to shows where you know it, it might be an older band but they're also relevant and you see some young people that like that same type of music
0: oh yeah absolutely it's it is coming back around like my kids still like i took actually my son's first concert was great white was the headliner and i think uh, faster pussycat opened well it was faster pussycat Oh, man, it wasn't Bullet Boys. That was another time. So, but it was a bunch of bands like that. Faster Pussycat and man, I can't even remember now. Um, I don't even remember. It was four or five of those, the era bands. But Tammy, is also a little bit like Axel. Dirty rock and roll. Just he's rock and roll man. And like I love watching Tammy perform.
1: He's great. And yeah. He's better now than he ever. I, I mean, agree. He is honestly better now because he's sober and he he was like a mess and he was just like. You know, because I rode cross, I rode coast to coast with Tammy before. Oh, cool. Which was, which was actually, I think we've ridden coast, I think we've ridden together a couple times, um, coast to coast. And in the old days, I mean, that dude would smoke. I mean, he'd be smoking a cigarette while he's lighting another cigarette. And it was just like, oh, and he'd pull over like, I got to take a piss. When in fact, he just needed cigarettes all the time. And now, you know, he. He doesn't, he goes on his walks every morning. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. And that's good, you know, I, dude. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping to go riding with him. I've, I've ridden with some great people. You know, I've ridden long distances with Gilby, me and Billy Duffy from the Cult road to San Francisco, you know, probably two years ago. Um, there's a few people that I, that I really enjoy riding with. I even rode, um, spent two days riding with Chris Kale from five finger death punch. Awesome. You know, yeah. It's, Very it's, but, cool. And when I go ride, when I go riding with people that are in rock and roll, We don't talk about rock and roll at all. We just talk about scenery and how cool this place is or that place. Yeah, that I mean, that's what I like. I I mean, to be honest, I love riding my motorcycle. My favorite thing, and I would just ask, what is you know, you've done all this stuff in your life, and I said, riding my motorcycle with my wife on the back is my favorite thing to do in the whole wide world. Like, if I could do anything, it'd be just go ride with her because you know, we have these these communication devices so all we do is talk we just go everywhere and you know we're about to do ten thousand miles this summer so yeah you said that yeah that's my favorite thing to do
0: yeah i actually had that in my notes and i kind of skipped over it um i I wrote freedom of writing slash mental health because i was thinking about the era you grew up in and the bands you grew up in and you saw a lot of cool stuff, but you probably also saw a lot of dark stuff. I'm sure you lost some friends. Um, you know, substance abuse, depression, like mm-hmm. Janie Lane, right? Just people don't think about being on the road and being alone after the high of a show. And I was thinking about the, the mental depression that could come, and and I wanted to translate it into asking you about the mental health side of going and riding your motorcycle and like yeah, that's, that's life, man. And what you just said, like just having your wife on the back and having those conversations and seeing all these beautiful things like that, you know, all the rock and roll stories I'm asking you about probably don't even remotely compare to that.
1: Oh my God, you're riding on the Blue Ridge Parkway, yeah. And, you know, riding, you know, and, and stopping at some weird little place and getting fried chicken and camping. You know, we went camping and, um, in 2020, we decided we were going to try camping. And, and I mean, like, she's a french tattoo artist and model and you know i'm from hollywood we know nothing about camping but we're riding around lake michigan setting up a tent you know and it's like this is the greatest thing in the world you know nothing is better and and when you're doing that stuff the reason why i think riding a motorcycle is so good for for mental health is because you know i have a lot of struggles but when i'm on a motorcycle you have to be in the present when you're on a motorcycle, you're not looking at your phone. You're not thinking about paying your bills. You're not thinking about the stuff you have to do when you're on a motorcycle. You're thinking about what's in front of you because if not, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, so, so there is nothing uh, riding is that is, is, is my happy place. You know, like I can't wait, you know, we're going to be riding up to Delaware in, I guess about three weeks. And, um, and then in June, I'm gonna ride uh, a thousand miles by myself, just, just me, up to Laconia, New Hampshire, for Bike Week and the Flat Track race. And then she's gonna meet me in Portland, Maine. And then we're gonna have lobster in Maine and pancakes with maple syrup in Vermont. <laughs> yeah, and, it's so awesome. And do and do all this stuff, and that's gonna happen in June. Uh, and then we're gonna ride to Sturgis, and I mean, and and the great thing is we're also raising money for charity. So it's like it's really really cool.
0: I love it, man. All right. One more personality question that I ask everybody and then I'll let you go. Um this is just it's a silly question, but I always ask it. When you when you put the roll of toilet paper on the roll, does the paper come over the top, off the front, or off the back? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. I just i
1: matter of fact, I put it on and you know what? Honestly, I don't care. Because okay. it's gonna be covered with poop in a second, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It All right. really really doesn't make you know which what you know which way i do it what is the way that which is the way that most people put on it
0: most people say off the, over the front so it's easy, you just you know i do over the back because i'm a rebel <laughs>
1: fuck yes i love it ricky because i don't care because if that's uh, the way people do it i do it the other way and i purposely do it because i'm because i'm out of control you uh, know and i'll do stuff like that i'll put the toilet you know what i do sometimes i'll just i'll just throw it on the floor and i don't <laughs> even use the roll sometimes i love or it or sometimes i just won't even wipe i won't even say that my wife okay. right over there She's like what do you do what are you talking about? We have to plug my ride. Damn it. We have to plug my ride. I got to raise some more money for
0: kids. Yeah. So to we'll do that before we go victory junction. What's the easiest way to yeah. to do that though? Well, if you go to the ride 22, yep. the ride 22,
1: um, we'll send you links on how to donate. Okay. Every penny donated goes to the, um, goes to the, uh, charity, which is a camp that helps kids with serious illnesses, whether it's, you know, cancer or spinal bifida or whatever it is. um, we also need sponsors to help the ride going, but I'm not going to ask people, you know, hey, if any big sponsors are listening, want to sponsor the ride, we're good. We're good. Um, and Law Tigers is a big, big sponsor for us and Motorcycle Lawyers. But if you go to Ricky, I mean, go to The Ride 22, It's got. Uh, it's not only got a link where you can donate, there's also a link where there's live tracking so you can see exactly where we are um, all the time. So, you know, we've done rides where, we've gone to places and people are there meeting us. You know, there was a time in Michigan where we said we were going to be at this one coffee shop and the mayor was there and they had a parade. Wow. It's just like, cause we were at, cause you know, in addition to riding and showing people all the cool stuff about America, we raised a good chunk of change. You know, we gave a check for thirty-two thousand dollars to stop soldier suicide. You know, last year it was twenty-two thousand dollars to the Alzheimer's Association. We're going to raise over twenty grand this year. So that's it's a really cool thing we do. And the really f- great thing about this ride is getting to get out and meet people too. So, and you can always follow me on social media at Ricky Rackman, and that's the best way to, you know, I, I answer. I, I, I like when people suggest places that we can go and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, man. I speaking. Of, you, you answered. You probably you won't remember this. I reached out to you. I think it was on Twitter, but it was a, I. I don't even remember what year. It was one of the first NASCAR truck races at Eldora, and you had made a comment or something about the race. I can't remember exactly, but I was there with my dad, and like we talked on social media for a minute. And I was like, I thought that was so cool. So yeah, you definitely responded. I
1: rode. I rode to one of the truck races in Eldora. Actually, I rode to one of the truck races in Eldora and stayed in Matt Crafton's, um, in Matt Crafton's bus. Yeah. And I remember riding out to Eldora because I was like, "Um, I don't see any signs. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. And the other thing that was really cool about it was like everything in the concessions, like the the burgers was so cheap and good, you know? And yeah, it was like Eldora was really, really cool. And this year, you know, I know that I'll obviously I'll be at some of the flat track races, but I you know, I'd love to get to Supercross, I'd love to get to some some local mo- motorcycle races. I you know, I, I love motorcycle races, I'd love to get to some some of the King of the Baggers races. I'd love to see any of that stuff. And Fantastic. and this year, um, there's a series called Build Train Race, which Royal Enfield puts on, where they've got these girls, they build the bikes and they race them and cat house, which is my, which is my company yep. is sponsoring one of the girls. And, you know, that's something that, that I also would like to do a little bit more of, of, of supporting grassroots racing. And that's nothing that there's anything that the only reason I do it is it's like, Hey, that's kind of cool. There was a cat house logo on that bike or whatever. that's stuff bitching, like man that.
0: I, I love seeing those t-shirts, like the t-shirts in the Pam and Tommy, uh, show the cat, he was wearing the uh, cat house shirt. That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Anytime you see those, I mean, that I own that company, it's cathousehollywood.com And, and that's the only place that they sell. So when Pam and Tommy, they're wearing that, you know, people buy shirts and when in wrestling, like, like, you know, Dolph Ziggler and Chris Jericho, everybody's wearing cat house shirts. (laughs) It's it's just like slash plate. He's wearing cat house shirts. I'm like, this is just the coolest thing because, um, you know, and even, even James Raspoli had a picture with him in a cat house hoodie and he's you know was road racer was flat track yeah. now races king of the baggers just a cool dude and when i see people like that and people like you know james who i know are like he's too young to even know what the cat house is but they still wear the stuff and that stuff you know makes me happy that's why i like to wear riders shirts or or that's why i'll go and buy stuff from from different riders because uh it supports them, and I think it's it's I think it's cool.
0: It is cool, man, and it's 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 cool to support those those uh, different topics. But the cat house being such a legendary place, yeah, it's fantastic. Ricky, I'm going to let you go, man. Um, if you get a chance, there's like five supercrosses left. The finals are May seventh in Salt Lake City. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you get a chance, but come up. I'll, I'm, that's the next one I'm going to. I'm staying home for the others, but um, May
1: seventh, this- I know that I'll be uh, I'll be riding back to okay. North Carolina. And my parents are going to be here, so I know oh. I can't go May seventh. I want to go. Yeah. And uh, I, the last, last supercross I went to was when they had the, a bunch of the NASCAR stars try to do it.
0: Oh wow, yeah, I remember <laughs> Did that. You when see they, that one? Yeah, when they they tried to. Uh, was it? Forget who it was. Somebody hit the wall. Um, Clint Boyer. Yes, Boyer. Yep, that's who. Yeah, I remember it was that. Clint
1: Boyer, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Greg Biffle, all these guys <laughs> have motocross backgrounds, but but like, couldn't stop. They didn't want to lose, and they <laughs> went straight, and and Boyer almost got destroyed. so it's yes. Like we can never do this again because we'll kill, (laughs) kill these rides, these drivers.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. They still show that every once in a while or to pop up on social media somewhere. So yeah, I remember. It was great. Awesome. Ricky, dude, it has been a pleasure talking to you for an hour, man. Thank you. It was a good, good time. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. You guys have fun. Be safe. Take care. All right. See ya. All right. Thanks to Ricky Rackman, dude. That was for me. That was a a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it cool stories there are so many more things i wanted to get to but um that's ricky rackman man we're out see you